Welcome into the February 2nd edition of the Lockdown Leafs podcast. It's Groundhog Day. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Dave Morissuti with me. As the Leafs fall to Boston in the final game ahead of the NHL All-Star break, we'll break down the loss and go over some house-cleaning news around the Maple Leafs. All that more coming up on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let there be light. Let there be light, they said. I don't know why I felt like doing that, Dave. I really don't know why. I think it's because when we were preparing, I kind of noted that it was kind of a cool silhouette effect. Yeah. And then I decided to do it. But, like, it's Groundhog Day. Yeah. And it's Groundhog Day is always kind of eerie. Like, remember the movie where just the same thing happened over and over and over again? And I feel like that's what this Maple Leaf season has been. The exact same things happening over and over and over again, right? Started off pretty poor October, amazing November where the goaltending was just fantabulous. And then it kind of, you know, it was a decent December and January. There was a little rut where the goaltending started to go awry. It it's really just seems very much like a, a similar carbon copy season to what it was a year ago. And if you go and you look at the records, they're very much the same as to what it was from this season compared to uh, to last season. Uh, welcome into Lockdown Leafs Podcast, by the way. It's your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. Also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Got my co-host Dave Morissuti with me from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Lockdown Leafs, a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast. So be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also check us out on video. Uh, we're up on YouTube each and every day, Monday through Friday, with new content for you. Just subscribe to Lockdown Leafs. Uh, it's all Leafs all the time. And this episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Well, Dave, the Maple Leafs end the first, it's not really the first half, I guess then the pre-All-Star season uh with a loss five two loss to the big bad boston bruins um you know i thought that they were in it pretty much through the first couple of periods and then things started to unravel and look like they may have had uh an eye on cabo in the third period there got a little unfocused and you know things kind of got away from them there yeah no just just so just a little bit it was uh, our third period was hard to watch yeah like, out of it might have been that reminds me a lot about like the Seattle game where you could just tell one team was just trying to just trying to get through the rest of the game and another team was just like all right we're just gonna do what we want yeah basically what happened there yeah no it was like I I thought that like Toronto did play pretty well through the first couple periods like they were in it for sure it was entertaining hockey the underlying numbers would suggest that Toronto was the better team through the first couple periods. Um, and at the end of the day, I think it came down to a couple things. I think the goaltending uh, on Boston, A-plus night for Linus Allmark. Yeah. On the Toronto side, 
not so much. Not a good night for uh, Ilya Samsonov. I mean, he started out pretty good, actually. He made some quality saves to start the game. He was tested early and often the first period, and then it just kind of went downhill from there. I mean, uh, that fourth goal in particular, the one that was 4-on-4, four four, Pavel Zaka scored it right after Yarncroke had made it 3-2 to two and kind of got the lease back into it. That's not a goal you can allow, and, and that's kind of where the game – Basically, it was curtains. A few minutes later, Zaka was all alone at the side of the net. You know, cross-ice one-timer, made it 5-2, and then it was really game over from there on out. Yeah, it, like I felt that – I thought the Yarncrow goal was going to get them going because it came not long after – I mean, there was the fight, then Yarncrow scored, they're down by one. Still a lot of time left in the third period. But this is the exact thing – you should never do when you, you know, get the goal is just take your foot off the gas and allow. And yeah, part of it, Samsonov has to have that, sh- that, that shot there. The Leafs also just willingly allowed Zaka to have point blank chance on that right there. Dude, I don't understand what the hell happened there. Like TJ Brody was just, I don't, he malfunctioned like just a complete brain malfunction, got himself, out of the way of Pavel Zaka, essentially. And it was a point-blank shot that went, you know, top corner, glove hand, Samsonov doing his best Matt Murray impression. But, like, that's one that you got to have. Like, a seeing-eye shot from 50 feet out, I don't care where it's placed, you got to have that. If you're, especially moments after your team just made it 3-2 to two and maybe got a bit of momentum back. Exactly. It, it's what, what this game really showed is a lack of situational awareness. Yeah. Right. Boston has very good situational awareness, right? And they do, but was it not bizarre to you seeing AJ Greer give Simmons that fight right after he had scored? To make yeah. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. Like but that's not a good time to, to no, fight. No, not at all. Like you're taught. And really when you see Wayne Simmons come over to the bench, Somebody should have maybe have vindicated from the Bruins bench. Coaches have to say, if this guy challenged you to a fight, don't accept it. Yeah. That's exactly what's like Simmons did exactly what he was supposed to do there, which is all right. They just got that goal. Leafs, Leafs were playing very, like very lax a days. So they needed something to pick them up. And the Bruins gave it to them in that regard. Like, I don't know why. And AJ Greer didn't exactly put up like, he he just he like Dude, he got disconnected controllers. I guess what the kids call it nowadays. He I, he literally was just standing. His arm wasn't doing anything. I think Simmons was just like, "Is he gonna? Are we fighting? Like, are we? Am yeah. I pull out the punch?" And he just starts wailing on him. Just like, can we can we grab the the fight? Maybe I think Tic Tac Tomar probably uh, has it on on Twitter. Omar probably has it. So we could, I'm sure we could play that gif without getting. You know, find or whatever the hell happens whenever we put up right, yeah, copyright issues and whatnot. I think we're good if it's like a tweet of a gif, but uh, yeah, it was a really bizarre, a really bizarre fight because yeah, like he connected early, big time, and then yeah, like let's watch it here for a sec because you know he squares up. This is right after he scored. Like this is literally the puck drop right he, after he almost falls, but then and then he's just taking it, <laughs> like. 
I'm surprised Simmons kept going, to be honest with you. Like after two, step in as soon as he almost Yeah, right. Like after two or three feeds, like you can see right here he pops yeah, up. Yeah, right there. And that, then the ref's gotta stay like the ref's gotta stay get in there because well, the I think I'm I think I'm okay here, but then about here, like that's four whacks at the dude's chin. I mean, you could have got in there after the first or second when you realized this guy's just chilling. Like he he wasn't moving at all, and Simmons has reach. Like he was just connecting on his chin, and he ended up a uh, concussion spotter came and pulled him um, during one of the whistles. So he ended up going. I think he returned to the game, but yeah, that was a you know that that's the the only I guess thing I would say where it wasn't necessarily situational awareness for for Boston after you make it three to one. You probably don't want your goal scoring drop of the mitts with Wayne Simmons in Toronto and a chance to get their momentum back. Cause that's a set. That is what happened. Like that building popped. It's the loudest they had popped all night. Like I was down there and it ultimately led to Yarncock scoring that goal. And then we know what happened after that. So it, it did work. It, it really it got the, the lease back on track. I suppose it got a little bit of life back into that building and it started to tilt the ice a little more. And then again, after the Yarncock goal, it was the Pavel Zaka goal that just really ended things for the Leafs tonight. It was, uh, yeah, not not a good look for for Samsonov to give that one up, but it is what it is. Um, trying to think, what, uh, yeah, what was one other? Th- what what else did you pull up from tonight's game? Well, when the Bru- the Bruins did exactly what I think they wanted to do in this game, which was like they don't need to dominate possession to beat the Leafs. We saw it in the last game where the Leafs make a bad decision. It goes the other way. Bruins score in this game. It was almost, you saw a lot, some of that, but you also saw like the Leafs take chances. Yeah. But guys are pinching and there's no support. Like how, how many times does it need to happen before you say, you know what? Let's make sure we're supporting the guy who's pinching. Cause how many two on ones, like and the one that was bizarre was uh was the Grugel where David Camp is gonna take a penalty and he stops. I'm like, you're already taking the penalty, just finish the play. Don't let the guy score. Like, don't let the don't drop your stick. Yeah. It's, like that I, I know he's trying to avoid getting the penalty, but so I, I don't remember. I was I was there live. Did the arm go up? Was that penalty already called? Like was that a delayed penalty goal? I didn't see, so I didn't, I didn't physically see the penalty being called. Yeah, okay, uh, an arm going up. I because I was so focused on the actual, on the actual play itself. Let me mm. see if I can find. There was a good replay of it actually when. Uh, but when to your happened. point, Boston tonight had nine odd man rushes, and that's not something that Toronto has been giving up a lot recently. Toronto's been pretty tight defensively, and they've been doing a good job of, you know, controlling their gaps. And, yeah, so here's the David Camp uh, play where A.J. Greer, this was to make it 3-1. This is right before the fight. Right here. Right. There's no there, – like, there, nothing from – as you can see, there's a ref in the corner there. I don't nothing think they were calling him. it. I don't think they were going to call it. So he dropped his stick to negate that call, but then Greer just takes a rip and, again – Samsonov doing his best Matt Murray impression allows uh, another one high glove. <laughs> like so they, yeah, they were mentioning that on the on the post game broadcast when they were kind of discussing Samsonov's performance, and I think Sam Constantino was just like, you know, he left too much of the net open there. 
Yeah. Like, whoa, wherever I heard that one before. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. The last time we saw Matt Murray. Well, the guy game. hasn't had a chance to do a whole lot of practice with the amount of games that he's been playing, just like getting yeah. a quick little skate in the mornings, but he hasn't really been able to practice and refine things. And, you know, I think the, the break comes at a good time for this team. You know, you could, you could kind of tell that tonight, you know, some of the guys were fighting it a little bit, maybe had an eye towards Miami or Cabo or whatever the hell they're going, um, which you hate, obviously you wanted them to, to get it done tonight, but you know, they're, they're gone for nine days now. So it's a chance to regroup and, and, you know, for guys just to kind of get away for a bit, get their mind off things and come back and have a, a much better effort. The uh, post all-star break and the schedule gets real easy. Actually, like the first five games they play, they've got, um, who they got, they got Chicago, Montreal. Actually, they first come back with a back-to-back against Columbus a home and home against Columbus. And then they got like Montreal, Chicago, um, I think Seattle as well, I want to say in the first five games. So those are winnable games, very winnable games uh, that they could have there. Actually, no, I think it might be two against Chicago. Now I think about it. So it's like two against Chicago, two against Columbus, and then Montreal. Those are your five games out of the break. So let's go out there and win, win those ones. Let's put this one in the past and win it. Um, all right, let's take one more uh, quick break here, Dave. Uh, and when we get back, let's go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook app this year. The only app that you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in North America. It's FanDuel, and if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They've got so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 next weekend with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to three thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to the point spreads to who will score a touchdown uh you can also obviously bet on the hockey game tonight Boston Bruins who to bet the money line or their point spread you would have came away victorious uh the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe secure and super easy to use Best of all, you can get your paid, uh, get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat-first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the LockedOn Network. Welcome back into the Lockdown Leafs podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. Uh, Toronto dropping it 5-2 to to the big, bad Boston Bruins. Uh, let's go through the the good, the bad, and the ugly as we do after every Leafs loss. There hasn't been a whole lot of them on home ice this year, but we uh, we did have one tonight. So let's get to it. Uh, what was what was something that was good about tonight's game, though, Dave? Uh, yeah, I mean we're trying to we're we're picking at the scraps a little bit here, but I thought Mitch Marner he, he had out of all the Leafs players, he I think looked the more engaged offensively. He had the goal. Um, I like, you know, on the power play there. I know there was not a great play considering the game, the play before they allowed the goal shorthanded, but then he responds by getting that goal and he kind of, kind of gave the least a little bit of life there. So and I thought he had many chances would have liked if he had shot the puck a, a little bit more. And I think I felt like he was, uh, 
holding on to it a little bit too much. Yeah, but he was he got the uh, the shoot from um yeah from getting uh, it from Scotia Bank. Yeah, in that third period, he just for whatever reason didn't shoot the puck. Tried to dangle him again, like he did the first time, and then tried to do it again a minute later, and uh, didn't even get the shot off. Unfortunately, and I believe I'm gonna check actually because on FanDuel his shot prop was two and a half, and I took it. And because he did not shoot on that play, it did not hit. He ended with two shots, and uh, the over did not hit. It was a dash four tonight, pal. Oof. Not a like, good night for Mitch Marner. Not a good night defensively. I just thought he was the only one really pushing things on offense. Yeah. I, I mean, Tyler Yarncroak was good, too. I thought he, you know, his goal, he was in the right spot good where they eye. needed to score from. Good hand-eye for sure. Yeah, it was a pretty smart play on his part. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I, I think, like, Samsonov in the first period, okay? In the first period. For for 20 minutes. For 20 minutes, he was fantastic. Uh, he stopped everything he faced in the first period. I think they they had – how many shots they have in the first period altogether? I think they had, like, 14 shots maybe in the first period. 13 shots, um, nine scoring chances, uh, two considered high danger, which – I I don't know about that. I, I thought that there was quite uh, quite a few dangerous shots there, dangerous looks that um, that Boston had in that first period. But regardless, uh, I, I thought that he had to make a couple of really good stops. I mean, early on there was the one on David Pasternak, and then again he makes the one on Hall after Hall gave the play behind the net, um, and then on that power play he had to come up big. And make a couple. So the first period, he was he was on his A game. Then he had that another one, which was unbelievable. Who did he? Um, uh, who was it that he robbed? Oh, when Pasternak danced Morgan Riley, gross. Um, he robbed him on that play in the first period. Like that. That's one where if that was in the third, you would just assume that was going to be a goal. But in the first period, nah, man, he was on his A game. He you know made a good stop on Pasternak got a breakaway. And uh, Clifton, too. Um, and then, obviously, we know what happened. But good in the first yeah. period. He was good in the first period, Dave. He he was good in the first. I, I, I don't know. I guess it's just he was just wasn't able to sustain it just because the chances they were the least were giving up were just egregious, in my opinion. That's what was bad. Like, Actually, no. I don't know, man. He he. There was a there was like the Greer goal. You gotta have. See? Yeah, that was that was what was bad for me was the goals he let in were backbreaking because they were savable pucks. That's it. Like he he had a bad game. I don't think we can sugarcoat it. Played amazing no. in the first period, atrocious in the second and third, and then ultimately the reason why they lost because he just couldn't make a save for them in the back half of that game. I I mean I think that's fair to say, but. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. What's the bad? No, I thought that was the bad. That that for me was the bad. Just back half of the game, periods two and three for Samsonov. Yeah. Periods two and three for Samsonov were bad. Um, yeah, like even like the, the Zaka goal was like it I no understand it was a clear cut chance on that, but it was a clear cut chance that came from like well, I think just above the circle. Dude, it was like Probably 50 feet from the net. Though, if we're going to be critical about Matt Murray giving up those goals, we're going to be very much critical of Samsonov 
giving up those goals too. Like that that's that performance from tonight remind me a lot about the one he had in Washington. Uh I think it was a, what was it back in December? December? Was it last? Yeah, yeah. I think they lost 5-2 that one as well. Yeah, it just like you saw you could see the body language for me is where I that's where I know a goalie is just not in it when the body language isn't good. Like he after the Zaka goal, he was not happy. No. And you could tell. Like that's and like obviously you're not gonna be happy when you give up a goal, but the body language for a goalie when they give up a goal like that tells me, yeah, he just doesn't have it right now. Yeah, and and he didn't. Um that was my bad as well. Obviously it was you know, Samsonov in, in the second and third period, I, I just thought that actually that was my ugly, to be honest with you. Um, it was my ugly was him in the in the second and third period. I mean, we've kind of roasted him on those goals, so we don't need to kind of keep going on it. But again, it's just that that was the difference of tonight's game. You know, there was one goalie who was making some pretty good stops and then another goalie who it was allowing some pretty bad goals. And, and it wasn't that he was allowing – these superstars to score beauty goals on him. I mean, like the Brandon Carlo goal was from an awful angle, right? That's the second goal of the game. AJ Greer, we've already talked about. That's one that you got to stop. The fourth one, you got to stop. You know, like even the first goal. I mean, the first goal kind of went right through. Honestly, the only one, the only goal where I could say, okay, he's got a pass, was the fifth one, the cross ice to, to Zaka. The four others, saveable. Definitely savable. Yeah, no, definitely. That was my ugly. I'll give you my bad. Um, the Sandine and Lilligren pairing. You and I have this completely flipped. Okay, so why is it ugly for you? Ugly. I mean, just, I, 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 they, they both were pretty ugly. We got two. I mean, <laughs> yeah, ugly and uglier, pretty yeah, much. Exactly. Um, because we literally. Coming into this podcast, uh, coming into this game, we're kind of praising the Sandy and Lily comparing. Yep. And they made us look pretty bad tonight. First yep. off, that's ugly. Don't make us look bad. Um, and like like Lily Grin, I understand you're trying to when you're down, you're trying to get your team going, but he was one of those players that got caught. Not, like there was a reason why David Camp took that penalty because he's covering for Lilligren who makes an ill-advised pinch that leads to the two-on-one. I'm not like, and then, and then the goal where they were in their own zone for too long. I understand that the fourth line was also out there, yeah, but hemmed by, you know, the top line of like one of Boston's yeah. big lines. But like to me, if I'm if I'm Kyle Dubas and I watch yeah. how Sandy Lilligren played in this game. But uh, even on that play though, like, Lilligren had a couple opportunities to get the puck out of the zone and just was unable to do it. And that's, that's what happens. That's how you end up getting hemmed in your own zone, right? When you have a chance to clear it and you don't, well, you've given possession right back to them. And eventually they're, they're going to just wait, tire you out and then find a little crease and, you know, score a goal. And that's, that's, you know, the exact way that it happened. It was an ugly goal that should not have been scored. That was the Carlo goal, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't, uh, yeah, it's, it was not a very beautiful goal by any means, but, you know, what are you going to do? But, yeah, dash three on the night for that pairing. Uh, not not great. And and I believe it was, what, 12, maybe 13 straight games that uh, Lilligren had played without being on the ice for a goal at five on five. It was 
quite remarkable the the streak that he'd been putting together for you know a guy just not allowing goals like just aren't just guys who's playing so well that no one was scoring when he was up there on the ice i mean he was the the save percentage was probably high he was getting a little bit of puck luck but you know you got to be lucky to be good you got to be good to be lucky sometimes but uh that wasn't the case tonight like i said him and Lilligren, uh, a dash three team high uh 1.2 um, expected goals against uh, while they were out there in, in their, what, 16 minutes of ice time. Um, wasn't a wasn't a great night for uh, for that pairing. They they gave up 13 scoring chances. They gave up five high danger chances, uh, more than any other pairing, anybody else on the ice while they were out there. Um, and they were even given, like, healthy offensive zone starts, too. That's what's kind of weird about it is, 71% ozone starts, yet they ended up hemmed in their own zone half the time and were giving up shots and chances left, right, and center, and ultimately on the ice for, for three goals at five-on-five, five, all of which at five-on-five. Five. So, yeah, really, really tough night for that pairing uh, for sure. Like that pairing has to thrives when because they're not spending a lot of time in their own zone. They're not being hemmed in their zone because they can, you know, they can disrupt – the, the cycle they can find ways to get the puck out when the, that doesn't happen tonight's an example of when it's not happening they really do struggle and they they seem to, they're there it's a it's tough for them to pull out of it yeah absolutely uh it is all right dave um why don't we take one more quick break and hear from uh one of our show sponsors and then when we get back there's some house cleaning some house cleaning news and uh, we'll give a little update on where the team's at at the All-Star break as well. So all that coming up on the other side. But first, a word from Bilt Bar. Yes. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories. And you got to try a Bilt Bar. We just got through the holidays. And I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise on taste, then obviously I'm going to recommend a Bilt Bar. And... I actually just placed an order for some Built Bars. They're selling out pretty fast, guys. So you got to get those orders in right now. Healthy, and it also shows that healthy can be tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. They're actually the perfect New Year's resolution. What makes Built so good is, well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. I said 100% real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond not sure how they do it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining some amazing macros only 130 calories four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years they've been talking about getting built you know we've been talking about getting built on built doc, built bars at built.com now you can get them at your local walmart or sam's club that's right head to your nearest walmart today walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Bilt Bar. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, and coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Now, if you're not able to head over to one of those places and you just want to go and purchase them online, you can definitely go and do that at Bilt.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. That is promo code locked on 15 to get 15% off your order at built.com. Welcome back 
listening to the Locked On Least Podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morsuti. Um, Dave, we've got, uh, well, I guess not breaking news, but I did see the Maple Leafs have decided to loan a couple of guys back down into the American League, Pontus Holmberg, and also uh, they've also sent Joseph Wall down to the American League, who is an AHL All-Star, I might add. Um, so he'll get to go and do that this weekend as uh, Mitch Marner is off to Miami with those sweet skates. And why don't we take a look at where the, the Leafs are at at the All-Star break, okay? So, I mean, when, when you looked at, at the beginning of the year and I told you that this team at the All-Star break would have would be 31, 13, and 8 with a 673, points percentage and you know have home ice advantage currently by all-star break would you what would you say about that i think you know it's it's fair to say that a like almost a mirror of what last season was and kind of the same things that are going well for the team are going well now some of the issues that I've still seen with the team last year, I'm still seeing this year. So I guess the concerning part is some of the some of the issues they haven't learned from. But I will say that there are definitely more reasons to be optimistic, you know, going when we when the Leafs eventually do come back from the all-star break. Like I'll I'll say this. I have more faith in the goaltending this year than I did last year, even with Matt Murray going through his, uh, you know, ups and downs with the injuries and stuff. But when I look at the trade deadline, I guess last year defense was the big thing that they need to target. Mark Giordano was the eventually the trade that was made. I'm still on the fence of whether or not where exactly they need to go. And that's the issue I have with, what I'm what I've seen so far this season is that you can make a case for both things at this point. And that's that's a tough place to be if you're Kyle Dubas. So let's uh compare where they were a year ago to where they're at now. Cause like I said, it's groundhog day and it feels eerily similar to where this team's at today and where they were at a year ago. So um so from the start of the season until uh, well, I guess we'll say the second slash first of um, February. We'll say, so the Maple Leafs this season have played 52 games. They have a win percentage of 673. Last season to this point, they'd only played 42 games. Cause maybe they started out a little bit later. And also COVID shut things down for like three weeks. Uh, yep. 42 games and have a 726 points percentage. So like it's it's very similar actually as to uh like they well they they had more wins last year. They had a little bit better of uh, a cushion last year. In terms of goals per game, 3.37 goals per game that they've scored this season last year, 3.6. So their goal scoring down a little bit. Goals against per 60 uh yeah, per game. 2.64 a year ago, 2.69 this season. So the goaltending has been relatively the same. But from the start of the season last year 
to February 1st, well, February 2nd, allowing the same amount of goals, which I find to be interesting that, you know, we have more faith in the goaltending this year than we did a season ago. Although, I guess how things ended after February, we know that it didn't go over very well. So I guess that makes a little bit of sense. Well, that's it, right? You know, I had faith in the Leafs gold in Jack Campbell up until he came back from the all-star break. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? That's a good point. Like that, and, and the reason, like, if you ask me right now, I will still take Matt Murray over Peter Mrazek. thousand percent. That's why I have more faith in the goaltender because the only issue I have with Matt Murray is he's not available. But then you look at the third option that the Leafs had last year is Eric Schalgren, who wasn't bad. You know what? I'm curious to see. I mean, it looks like everyone's talking about maybe Joseph Wool will get a start when they come back, depending on where Matt Murray is. It didn't seem optimistic that he would be back right away. Yeah, I think he will. One of those one of those two games against Columbus when they return back to backs, home and home, I think we will. It's it makes so much sense to just give him a game against the worst team in the NHL. If you're going to give him a game, yeah. Give him one against the worst team in the NHL. Um, And like I said, I mean, Joseph Wall is not waiver eligible next year, or he requires waivers next season. So you might want to figure out what you got in this kid at the NHL level, or else somebody else will take the flyer. And if it hits, you're going to feel pretty dumb that you had a pretty good goalie chilling in your American League that you let go for nothing. So. Well, exactly, right? We've been, The Leafs have been knocked for not being able to draft and develop a goaltender. Well, actually, sorry. The Leafs did draft a good goaltender. They just traded him for Andrew Raycroft all those years ago. You had to bring that up, didn't you? Tonight, have, all nights, when they're I facing know. the Boston Bruins. Yeah, really? Exactly. Yeah. You're a horrible person. Hey, you know what's even funnier? The, the Buffalo Sabres, who could use a goaltender right now? The team that... that, uh, that that Linus Olmerk guy looks pretty good. Oh, wait, what team do you used to play for? The Buffalo Sabres? Yeah. Uh, Jurgarden, potentially. Jurgarden in, in the Swedish Elite League, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like I, I I said when the when the Bruins uh when when the Sabres let go of Allmark that they were making a mistake. Yeah, I remember saying I remember thinking that one of the Maple Leafs to uh to go after Allmark. You wanted the Leafs to go after Allmark. I remember that. Yeah, I guess the I wasn't about totally that, so. sold on him for the Leafs, but for the Bruins it made sense. Yeah. Um so the goaltending is uh, is one thing. Special teams is where this team is kind of lacking this year yeah. to where they were a year ago. And that is something that I think increasingly we can look into all next week when the Leafs are off, just kind of look into the power play, maybe break it down. We'll bring on, you know, bring on like a former player and see like what's going on here with this, with this power play, with the penalty kill. Cause this year operating at 25%, just still not bad. Um, but power plays are a lot higher in today's world. Like I'm pretty sure. So 25% power play is seventh in the NHL. So it's not terrible, but last year they were number one, and they were thirty percent success rate. And I mean that that could be costly in all in some games. Like you expect for this team to score 
a couple more goals on the power play given the players that they have there. And that's been a big drop off from last season to this season is their power play success and well, special team success because the penalty kill last year to this point in the season was terrific. Third in the National Hockey League at 84.4%. Fast forward to currently where they sit, not top three, not top 10, 16th with a 79.4 kill rate. That's just not not what I anticipated seeing for the Maple Leafs this season. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that it's a reason why their record isn't as good as it was as a, uh, from a year ago, but certainly something that I wouldn't mind shoring up. And when I'm looking into, you know, what I want to see from a potential at the deadline, guys who can help on special teams, whether that's the second power play unit or it's the penalty kill that's kind of what I'm I would like for them to add in terms of you know some depth pieces, guys who can also help you out in special teams. Yeah. Well, because like Jake Muslin played a big part in the penalty kill last yeah. year. And he, you you're missing him. I know you kind of you kind of think you're switching Giordano for Muzzin, but not the same. You also had Muzzin and Giordano in the playoffs last year. Yeah. That's a pretty that's a pretty good combination there. Brody's been hurt, so that's also impacted it a little bit. But I think what it also shows is getting Connor Timmins in the lineup would help that second power play unit, I believe, a tad. Um, the problem is, is you can't trust Connor Timmins on the penalty kill. So, like, to have him and you don't have a good spot for him in the lineup right now. So, yeah, I also think they need a, that up front. When you look at adding a player at the deadline, if that player can't play on the penalty kill, I will look elsewhere. Like, try to get someone that can score but has the defensive acumen because it tonight shows that some guys just were not willing to make the effort on defense to help the help the defensemen who were struggling tonight. Yeah, so... Now we'll see what ends up happening with uh, with the Maple Leafs over the next little bit, but um, you know they'll just. I guess we can kind of continue going on here. What they, where are they in terms of shots? Like, what type of shot generation are they getting this season to last year? So last season to this point, they were uh, generating thirty four point three shots per game. I don't think they're generating as much this year. Thirty one point nine. So their shots per game are even going down. So they're just not generating more um probably similar opportunities if i looked at the underlying numbers um but just in terms of shots in in general just like the soft number averaging about three shots less a game and that said they're also averaging less shots against per game um last season they're averaging 30 against this year just 28 so you know a little bit better in, in that regard but so far that's the only statistic that's actually been better in comparison from last year to this year um up until the the february 2nd date i guess that uh that we've said here so uh just a, a fun little look back to see where the leaves are at now compared to where where they were at this point a year ago and uh you know we'll see what they do on the other end of the all-star break right we'll be here we'll be here to chat about it all uh, we'll, we'll even be here to kind of tee up the all-star game and, and the whole weekend's festivities uh, tomorrow. We'll come back, do a little Friday show for you guys. 
Um, I also have have a list, a power ranking that I'll be putting out. The five most attractive trade assets that the Toronto Maple Leafs possess. So we'll also do that maybe early next week. We will put out that power ranking. Uh, but that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive mm-hmm. daily Leafs content. Uh, follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Also, uh, make sure that you subscribe. Leave a like and a comment on YouTube as well. Um, you can also leave a review on iTunes. That'd be greatly appreciated. A little rating as well. I will be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow. Uh, but until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.